Pirates Hero Rewatch. I'm Austin Halpern Grazer. And I'm his brother, Marley Halpern Grazer. I'm uh, I'm 36, I live in LA, and I write animation and some superhero stuff like Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Aquaman, King of Atlantis, still streaming on HBO Max. They don't take it down unless uh, you commit a crime. I'm 24. I live in Brooklyn. Brooklyn all day, baby! And I make TikToks for a living. <laughs> you do! Yeah, for the library, because I'm a nerd. <laughs> uh, and as nerds, my brother and I love Marvel Comics and Marvel Studios movies, but we've been living on opposite coasts since Austin was 11, so a lot of our relationship has been talking about these movies on the phone. But I've, like, never rewatched any of them, Mario. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that. We should do so it now. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's been over 12 years since the first MCU movie came out, and I just noticed we're 12 years apart in age. Wait, really? This could be, like, yeah. a cool project if we, like, did something with this. I guess I'm just wondering if our perspectives will have changed now that I um, am an adult and Marley just recovered from shingles. <laughs> Find out. Uh, <laughs> hero rewatch! <laughs> It's uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier. <laughs> uh, recovered is a strong word. I still got some rashes. Oh, man, Marley, really? <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is now a shingles PSA. Uh, if you're over 50, get the shingles vaccine. If you're under 50 like me, just hope you don't get shingles. Man, will they really just not give it to you at all if you're? That's, apparently, they don't like to because uh, I think it's like a combination. It doesn't matter. I'm not gonna, actually going to turn this into a PSA on uh, the shingles vaccine. <laughs> Marley, I'm pretty sure our uncles listening at home are interested in this. <laughs> you know what? Actually, that's true. Uh, uh, I have already said this to him on the phone, but I'd like to take this time to uh, shout out to one of our uh, bigger fans. Uh, and sometime guest, uh, our father, uh, Jeffrey Halpern. Uh, yeah, get the shingles vaccine. I recommend it. <laughs> Let's go, Jeff. <laughs> you, can't, if... you, you can't escape, Jeff. I'll, I, you're going to get this advice everywhere you look. <laughs> and if somehow you're a, a little kid listening to this, you should get the chicken pox vaccine. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. If you get the chicken pox vaccine, you're much less likely to get shingles ever than if you get chicken pox like I did. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're talking about Captain America, the Winter <laughs> Soldier. I would say Captain America probably got chicken pox long time yeah. ago. He probably he, got a bunch of other things, too. Yeah, he definitely. Um, I mean, he was a sickly child, so he. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he got chicken pox. I'm sure he got measles, mumps, uh, probably not smallpox because he's alive and doesn't. Young Steve Rogers did not look like a guy who was going to survive smallpox. But I don't think he could get shingles because he's so strong now. Oh, yeah. The super soldier serum would definitely uh, stop that shingles virus from uh, doing anything. One way that you can't relate to Steve Rogers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm watching the movie being like, I don't think this guy even can get shingles. I'm out. <laughs> That's also why I won't watch Wolverine movies anymore. Yeah, well, at least he's kind of sickly from his bone disease with the <laughs> metal in his bones. That's true. I can empathize with having bad bones. <laughs> yeah. That, that makes sense to me. Uh, 
Yeah, so uh, we're talking about uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, but we also uh, wanted to do a little check-in uh, on our own oh, lives. Yeah. Uh, uh, we don't just want to talk about how I have shingles now. We also want to talk about how... So when we started this project, as we just said in the intro, part of the idea was that Austin is now roughly the age I was when Iron Man came out in uh, 2008. But, you know, they only made one or two of these movies a year, so we're already... Captain America Winter Soldier came out in 2014. So at this point, Austin is not a little kid anymore when he's seen Captain America Winter Soldier. He's, uh, no. he's in college, right? No, I was applying for colleges. Applying, okay. So I was 17? I'm literally, I'm in a calculator right now doing it. Yeah, I was 17 when this came out. So it is really different because, you know, when Avengers came out and I was like 14, I guess, and it was like the biggest thing that ever happened to me. And I had like depression afterwards. And then by the time this movie came out, I was like, yeah, it was, it was good. I think the comparison to Edward Snowden and the NSA and the drone stuff is a little overblown. Um, But, yeah, it was really good. I liked it. Um, I'm worried about my SATs. (laughs) Um, So I definitely had changed a little bit. Um, Yeah. How how old were you, Marley? Uh, So I was 29. Um, yeah, so you know what, 29, uh, I was probably, uh, uh, engaged to Josie by then. Um, that sounds about right. I, we got married a little after I turned 30, so I'm sure we were engaged around, you know what, we, I was probably, I bet this movie came out in April, right? I bet when I watched this movie, I was probably distracted by my plans to propose to Josie, which I think I was going to do actually a few months after this movie came out. Oh, wow. (laughs) So the whole time watching the movie, you were sitting there and you were like, Man, maybe if Steve can try and love again, I can get (laughs) married. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And, uh, I mean, yeah. Also, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm, you know, I've been in L.A. for a long time. I'm a pretty uh, established animation staff writer. I had not uh, sold my own show yet. That also happened the next year. Uh, Although I was probably developing it. I was probably developing right now Kapow, my non-superhero show I created that I don't use as a credit on here because there's no superheroes in it. Uh, I'd probably been just developing that this year when I saw this movie. It does sound like a superhero sound. Like, for instance, the Joker says, you'll never stop me. And then Batman says, I'll stop you right now. Kapow! I know, yeah. We did some superhero sketches, but yeah, it was a a sketch comedy show, um, and I'm sure I was developing that by now in 2014, and then we sold it early 2015. Um, So, this was, you were were done working on Mad at this point? Yeah, I was done working on Mad. I was probably writing on Be Cool Scooby-Doo this year while I was watching this movie. While I was watching this movie, I was probably taking a break from thinking about why someone would dress up as his ghost to scare people away from an amusement park. Because it's hard, because there's no good reason to do that. (laughs) We've um, never talked about this. You wrote a Scooby-Doo superhero movie, kind of. Yeah, no, to- I mean, totally. I wrote a, I wrote a, I, well, I wrote the outline. I wrote the st- a very detailed outline uh, for a Scooby-Doo direct-to-video movie where they go to Comic-Con and meet the actor who played the Blue Falcon on TV, and he's like an Adam West type. Do they meet anyone else in that movie, Marley? Uh, well, they, they meet uh, uh, the Adam West-style actor who used to play Blue Falcon and the, like, Christian Bale-style actor who's playing him in the new movie. Oh, oh, but Marley, do they meet anyone else? 
Oh right, uh, yeah. They meet a, a plucky, a plucky young man who just loves comics and helping out his new friend Shaggy. And that young fella's name is Austin. Oh really? And and was he voiced by Tara Strong? Perhaps <laughs> he was. Yeah, you have been played in a Scooby Doo movie by Tara Strong. Yeah, it's my. That should be my first credit in the. <laughs> Hi, I'm Austin Alvin Grazer, and Tara Strong played me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, if, War- if Warner Brothers Legal is listening to this, uh, none of what we just said is true. Uh, that character's <laughs> name was Austin spelled with an I, a totally different person. And he uh, did have green hair. And <laughs> he, he did. The design was, I did not give them a photo of you to use. <laughs> yeah, which makes because, sense. Like, because again, if Warner Brothers Legal is listening, <laughs> I did not base that character on anybody. <laughs> Yeah, everyone actually in that film was fictitious. Yeah, none of Scooby-Doo's not real, guys. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this. (laughs) There is a dog, and he can kind of talk. And he (laughs) solved a mystery, but not that many. (laughs) It was a different mystery. His name's Steve. (laughs) Stevie Deep. Yeah. I was trying so hard to think of a fake-sounding Scooby-Doo, and my brain would only come up with actual Scooby-Doo relatives. I was like, his name's Scrappy. Nope. His name's Scooby Dump. Nope. His name's Scooby D. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, my only other uh, big memory of Captain America: The Winter Soldier is I don't think I planned it this way. I think someone invited me the day it came out to see it, and I was like planning on seeing it the next day or something. Um, but what ended up happening is I actually saw Captain America, the winter soldier in the afternoon. I like left work early. And then that night I saw under the skin. Uh, and so as I, uh, as I like to think of it is I saw two very different Scarlett Johansson movies that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen under the skin, but I, I, I get, she says less little, little jokes in it. Yeah. Way less jokes, uh, way more, uh, being a emotionless alien luring people to their their death with the promise of sex, but then instead they get eaten by other aliens. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's very <clears throat> contemplative. There's very little dialogue. Uh, okay. There's a lot of thinking. It's less about uh, the security state and more about what does it even mean to be an empathetic uh, sentient being and uh, mm-hmm. how can you even have a connection to another person. Uh, it's, uh, it's great. I recommend it, but yeah, very, very different movie. <laughs> also based yeah. on a uh, source material. It's also based on, it's based on a book and it's really different than the book. And I, I love the book and I love the movie and I could probably talk for two hours about the differences between under the skin, the book and under the skin, the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, once again, demand it in the comments <laughs> if you want to see that. Um, a Marley solo episode. Yeah, where I just talk about this book you haven't read and this movie you haven't seen. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd listen to you talk about it, and i go, ooh. <laughs> ooh, ooh. I mean, I, I hope I'd see one of them either before or after. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, so that was, yeah, anyway, I watched, I did that. That was a, a pretty crazy, whatever, 20 hours <laughs> of my yeah. life. My big memory too, that thing about the drone state and or surveillance state and drone warfare and stuff. Cause our dad is a uh, anti-war activist. Yeah. So I was seeing a lot of stuff about that and like, you know, whatever uh, the anti-war websites were writing things about it. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, and you are right. Like this movie was definitely like 
you this movie wouldn't have existed if like Snowden and WikiLeaks hadn't happened a couple years before. Yeah, I, I'm curious. It, when I first saw the movie, I thought like, um, okay, I don't really think it has that many parallels because it's so blown out. But watching it now, I'm like, yeah, this is really political, like way more political than the other ones because right at the beginning of the movie, which we'll talk about soon, Captain America is against it when it's just S.H.I.E.L.D. saying that they're going to be able to shoot anyone all over the planet. He's like, yeah, that's yeah. bad. He doesn't uh, want yeah. anyone to have that power. So, I mean, yeah, I guess we should just start uh, just start talking about the movie, right? Yeah. Let's just Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, all right. So, uh, we're going to do, I'm going to do my new thing where I uh, summarize the act and then we, we jump in and, and say what we think about it. So, I'm going to say that act one of this movie... Uh, opens, you, uh, Steve Rogers is in the present now after the events of Avengers. You see him out on a run. He meets Sam Wilson, who's going to be his new best friend. Uh, but then he gets uh, pulled away and he, him and Black Widow go on a cool shield mission where they have to rescue some hot shield hostages from a boat. Uh, but on that boat, Black Widow has like a secret other mission where she's getting data and Captain America's like, what's that mission about? And she's like, you don't need to know. And then Cap goes to talk to Nick Fury about how he's kind of suspicious about that. And Nick Fury tells him about S.H.I.E.L.D.'s new plan, which is to create three mini helicarriers that will fly in suborbit forever with giant guns shooting anyone they think might ever be a danger to anyone that S.H.I.E.L.D. likes. And yes, Captain America, even when this is Nick Fury's plan, Captain America is like, that sounds evil. Uh, but before he can worry about that too much, uh, Nick Fury starts to get suspicious about uh, the data that Black Widow stole for him. And when Nick Fury tries to uh, tell his boss, uh, Secretary Pierce, I think is his name. Uh, he's he's played by uh, uh, Robert Redford in a pretty amazing... Robbie Redford. Uh, yeah, Alexander Pierce, played by the Robert Redford. He'd be a knight if he was British, but he, we don't do that here. So he's just the Robert Redford. Uh <laughs> It just feels like he should be Sir, too, if we're going to do it for their uh, old, amazing actors. Yeah, uh, you can just respect him and just say Sir, you know? Yeah, you should just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Mr. Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah, Lord Redford, which sounds like a lord, also. Anyway. Re uh, yeah, rich guy Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah, incredibly rich man Robert Redford. <laughs> Uh, Paul Newman's friend, Robert Redford. Anyway, uh, Nick Fury has a little meeting with him uh, that he sus gets suspicious about. But then Nick Fury uh, gets just full on assassinated uh, by a mysterious figure uh, that is the titular Winter Soldier. This happens in front of Captain America, and that sets off the events of the movie. Before Nick Fury gets assassinated, he has a whole big, like, chase scene where a bunch of fake police officers are trying to kill him, and he's running away in a in a supercar. Um, yeah, you know, it's a really cool scene. Uh, it is interesting, because, you know, this was made in 2014, so, like, you know, Nick Fury has sort of an uncomfortable conversation with his boss, and then he's driving, like, home in his, like, super SUV, and they do this scene where, like, these two cops pull up next to him and kind of give him a dirty look. And he definitely reacts like, I'm a black man in Washington, D.C., and that's why these cops are giving me a dirty look. 
Yeah. And but then he's like attacked by all of these DC cops, but the his supercomputer in his car specifically says like dispatch says there are no police on the premises. So like they make it clear instantly that these are not police officers and I just feel like this is it's it's very loaded imagery that I don't think you would just throw around if it's not the point of your movie now. Mhm. Yeah, I I think that's definitely true that that's something that they um but yeah, it's not pro cop, so that's no. Neat. It's not pro cop. He he he's basically like fuck these guys when he thinks they are cops, uh, and is yeah. not surprised that they're being jerks to him. Uh, I I guess that's why I say it is that like it's not like they didn't know the imagery they were playing with, and I but I do think it's just so it's just really disturbing to watch twenty police officers firing assault rifles into this car with a black man in it in a way that I think they knew. They knew what they were doing, but I don't think they knew just how gut-wrenching that is to watch in a way that everyone would know now. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Because that whole time, it's meant to be like a fun, like, just seeing how cool and smart Nick Fury is talking to his robot car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, the the cool thing is what Nick Fury does is activate his car's machine gun and kill most of them. <laughs> he just shoots so many cops in the face. They're not cops. It turns out they're not cops. <laughs> Yeah, they're not cops. They just work for S.H.I.E.L.D. probably. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing we can say right here in the beginning. I it, This really bummed me out that S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist in these movies anymore because they were allowed to do these allegories. Or, like, they were allowed to have that agency exist so that they could have, like, this government agency being completely run by evil people and have oh, these yeah. kinds of stories that they're not able to do anymore. You're right, that's true. Like, Marvel is not never going to be comfortable saying that, like, the Department of Defense is a secret supervillain. Is Like, Marvel's never going to be comfortable saying, like, the U.S. Secretary of Defense is a secret supervillain. He's working for the Red Skull. Uh, mm-hmm. But they were, will, they were happy to do that with this made-up S.H.I.E.L.D. thing. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Even though the made-up S.H.I.E.L.D. thing is, like, it, and it also helps, too, like, the scene at the beginning with Captain America uh, has such a different feel than in the same show, uh, the same world in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when they're doing it for the Air Force. Because when he's doing it for S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm like, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D., get those evil pirates. And <laughs> yeah, right. If it's working for the Air Force, I'm like, oh, this is reminding me of the Air Force in real life. <laughs> You're not a pretend spy agency. That's real. <laughs> Yeah, like Captain America and Black Widow saving S.H.I.E.L.D. operatives from being held hostage by Algerian pirates. You don't spend any time thinking about, are they legally allowed to be doing this? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The way you do when Falcon for the Air Force does basically the exact same thing against the exact same guy who, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about. It's Batroc, better known as Batroc the Leaper. Yeah, he has had so much more of a life in these movies than you'd ever guess. Uh, not more than I would guess, because I fucking love Batroc the Leaper. He's so do cool. You? Yes, of course I do. He's a, he's a, he what do you mean? a, he's an orange and purple man with a big mustache and a cartoon French accent, and his power is jumping. <laughs> and he's one of Captain America's most prominent non-Red Skull villains. Are you serious? Yeah, if you need Captain America to just fight a guy, you call on Batroc the fucking Leaper. <laughs> okay, so that's what... Does he leap at people? 
Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> At them, away from them, beside uh, them. <laughs> why can he jump so good? He's just very good at jumping. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like it isn't... I mean, they they do an amazing job trying to take the, the essence of Batroc uh, and make him actually cool in this movie. It's just a lot of kicking. He just, it's like what he does in this movie. He just does, he just jumps in the air and hits you in the face with both of his feet. (laughs) I also, in this movie, he's able to fight Captain America pretty well. So you imagine he is super strong in some way. Uh, I think because most of the fights Captain America does in this movie is against another super strong person. I think they forgot to remember that when he fights Batroc, who definitely is not supposed to be super strong. (laughs) I kind of think that he is, because the people he fights right before he punches them, like, through walls every time he hits them. Yeah, I... I, 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 Or maybe he's just really cool. I think there's no way Batroc is supposed to be super strong, because he's in Falcon and Winter Soldier, a whole show about whether people do or don't have super strength, and Batroc definitely is one of the people that doesn't. Yeah, well, but in that show, they are so bad at keeping track of that. (laughs) It's the most... It's so... It's... Yeah. Okay, sure, you're right. But but this movie, Captain America the Winter Soldier, is a is a good movie that would tell you if a character was supposed to have super strength or not. No, you're right. He's not super strong, he's just super skilled. He's super skilled. And also, I mean, Captain America, like, they have a very cool fight, and it is basically like so as Captain America uh attacks the boat, he beats all the other all the guys up to Batrock, he beats so easily. That mm-hmm. this we've we've talked a little bit about how this is the movie that really introduces like actual martial arts fight scenes to the Marvel universe, and mm-hmm. really it's this scene. It's Captain America versus Batroc is the first time a fight in one of these movies is treated like a martial arts fight, where they do a little back and forth. Uh, like Batroc kicks him in the shield a bunch of times, and then he's like, "I thought you were more than just a shield." And Captain America throws his shield down, takes his helmet off, and does like a fairer fight. And then Cap beats him with his own move. Cap does a flip and kicks him in the face yeah yeah like it's such a good fight and i too it's like the point of that is to set up that that wasn't actually a serious fight for him so that then when he fights winter soldier later you're like oh he actually can't beat winter soldier yeah actually trying yeah so i I think it's that cap like me thinks batrock is fun and neat and uh had a little fun fight with him (laughs) and didn't want to punch his head off (laughs) yeah yeah that's i mean so for the most part, the fun thing that's weird about this movie is now that Captain America is not in the war anymore, now that he's in our world and he's fighting humans, Captain America arguably doesn't deliberately directly kill anybody in this movie. Because what he mm-hmm. does is he runs around and he punches people in the face or he kicks them off a boat or he throws them through a wall. But in it doesn't feel like they're dead. But then mm-hmm. Black Widow's running around right behind him just shooting people in the face. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like it's a no-kill mission. <laughs> yeah, everyone else has guns. Everyone else in this movie has guns and shoots people directly in the sh- in the chest. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's like this thing where everyone else is in a spy movie and they're all super spies and he's a superhero. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, I mean, it's, so, yeah, it's it's a little, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a little funny. Uh, and in the, the Captain America comics that these are based on, um, which is like the first sort of 14 issues. This this movie's basically based on the first like 14 issues of Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting's Captain America comics from like 2004, 2005. Um, and those comics are very upfront about the fact that Captain America kills people um, and mm. that he did it in the war and he does it today. 
Um, and one of the opening scenes in uh, that comic is Captain America fights a bunch of terrorists on a, 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 a elevated train. And like after the scene, uh, after after the scene, Sharon Carter, who's in this movie a little bit, is like, hey, Cap, you like smashed that guy's face in and killed three of them when you threw them off the train. And the Cap I knew only did that if he needed to. So like <laughs> they're still they're not like that they're not mad at him they're just like seems like that was unnecessary and so i'm a little worried (laughs) but like that's sort of the status quo they set up is that this is a captain america that is completely fine with killing people if he has to they're just arguing about whether he really had to or not and uh you mentioned sharon carter a little bit and i completely forgot he has a scene with very old peggy carter at the end of this movie at the beginning beginning yeah beginning of this movie yeah well so uh, yeah they 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 do a lot to try to set up what his life is like now because uh, you mm-hmm. see, when he meets Sam Wilson, uh, they're jogging in the Capitol, and they use that scene partly to draw a parallel between Sam, a normal army veteran trying to fit back into civilian life, and Captain America, mm-hmm. an abnormal army veteran trying to fit back into civilian life, which which uh, means he's been like catching up on pop culture, and also, yeah, visiting his friend, like, 90-year-old Peggy Carter. Yeah, yeah, who in this movie married a different man. Mm-hmm. and uh or or whatever so you, you know we know this is a different timeline than the timeline that they're in uh in the current films um, yeah i i remember after endgame they were like well you know peggy said she was married but she never said to who so i guess it was steve rogers the whole time but in this movie she straight up is like steve rogers saved a hundred men that day including the man who became my husband so they that doesn't work <laughs> yeah i think her husband was dum dum dugan <laughs> Yeah, he saved him. Uh, well, we know it wasn't Agent Sousa from the Peggy Carter TV show, because I just watched the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where he fakes his death and they take him to the future and he starts dating Daisy. I don't know what you just said, Marley. <laughs> Is, Daisy's the main one, right? Yeah, it's Chloe Bennett's character. Because her name changes halfway it's, through the show. Yeah, it's Sky for the first two seasons. Yeah, yeah, but okay. Yeah. Once again, we're talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the show Marley keeps saying he won't talk about. <laughs> I've watched, I did it, I broke down, I watched all of it. Yeah? Yeah. I, I, we're not going to talk about Marley? it. I won't. We're I not going to, oh, you. we won't? No, oh, yeah? we won't. No, I just wanted in, to in talk about it. In an earlier episode, we talked to uh, our dad and Marley asked him about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and said, we're never going to talk about it. Um, and we're not we're, we're not talking about it i was talking about agent Sousa from the show agent carter <laughs> oh okay that's a different show austin it would air in between agents of shield seasons and then and then he okay well <laughs> so yeah and uh she has a cgi old face yeah and it doesn't look that good to me yeah i think it's their first digital aging that they do right yeah i think I get why they did it this way, and I'm happy that she got a paycheck, but I like in old movies when they just casted an old person to play someone when they were 80, because I mean, you'd look different. I mean, sometimes they just put, like, a mountain of old makeup on them. They could have done that in this movie. Yeah. That's, a, that's an established convention. Yeah, either way. I mean, a pile of old makeup also looks fake, but in a way that uh, is less troubling to view. <laughs> yeah. 
It's not uncanny valley, I guess. Is the yeah, thing. yeah. And they do you you he does have a nice conversation with Peggy about how part of the reason he's working with Shield is because he found out that she founded it. Um, mm. but then you learn that Peggy uh has dementia. Um and Oh yeah. Uh Steve, even though his uh, one of his best friends is alive, he he still is very isolated because she's not really all there anymore. Yes, yeah, and um, yeah, she's like dying. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's in bad shape. She's very old. Um, and yeah, it's a good it's, really, it's she a does good, a good job in this scene. Yeah, she does, and it's a good reminder of just how old Steve should be. It's good to see that of like he could be alive, but like he'd be really old. Yeah, this this movie does a really good job with uh, Captain America, <laughs> but it's I really like this movie, and it a lot of it is this is like the most just regular Captain America movie you ever get because yeah, like we said in the Captain America one, Captain America has not been in World War Two for a very long time. Yeah, he, Captain America hasn't been in World War Two since World War Two. <laughs> yeah, so. This is the, like, and Civil War is its own thing. And um, so uh, watching this, I was like, man, I wish they just made, like, 400 of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a shame. You're right. you're really right. This, like, if you think, yeah, I'm not going to just repeat what you said. I'm just going to say it. you're exactly right. I agree with you. <laughs> it's cool. And uh, and it, it's also Captain America, like, just in his prime doing Captain America things. And it's not like he's ever going to get over it and be used to living when he lives like that would be just a, yeah. a thing he would dealing with the whole time yeah captain america being a man out of time would not you could do three movies about that you just it's not a rule that says you can only do one and a half yeah yeah and and him yeah you're allowed to make more movies where iron man isn't in them <laughs> yeah yeah i know exactly it is funny though like uh iron man and captain they mention iron man a lot in the movie they do like the new helicarrier and stuff and it made me realize in what ways iron man and captain america fit together really well because they're both military sci-fi characters oh um, yeah yeah in a in a way that's really neat because it that didn't feel out of place to me um because they are they are both you could see how they could be created in the same world. They're two different kinds of military experiments, really. Yeah, and also, like, that's why it was pretty... It doesn't feel shoehorned in that Howard Stark is involved in Captain America's origin. It makes sense that Tony's father would have been doing that stuff back then. Yeah, he was... They was runs, theoretically, like, the biggest military manufacturing company yeah it is it is sort of funny because you know the whole point of iron man and a little bit of iron man 2 is that tony doesn't make weapons for the military anymore and then you find out he contributed very significantly to shields kill a million people per minute machines yeah yeah i mean the one thing i like about it is he they say you know he looked at the got to see it up close and they put arc reactor technology in it. Yeah. Whatever. Repulsor technology. So, oh, repulsor. Te no. Cause don't they have, he says, repulsor. they say they never, Oh, okay. So I they, think. because Cause Cause he says they never have to go down. Yeah. They, I'm pretty sure they say repulsor, but you're right. Maybe they meant arc reactor. <laughs> Cause oh, Tony, yeah. Tony basically has two technologies in his suit. It's the arc reactor that powers it. And then the repulsor technology, which is how he flies and shoots blasts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think they say repulsor, but you are right. They probably meant, uh, they might have meant 
arc reactor. <laughs> well, anyway, my headcanon, I guess, is that he just did that because can you imagine how much fuel the helicarriers used? Oh, He's yeah. He's probably, probably saving the... Uh, oh, yeah, like probably as much as a nation state. Yeah. Um, so you, you think probably, Tony figured anything to help S.H.I.E.L.D. go green is worth whatever they might do with it. I mean, think about how much greenhouse gases a plane puts out. No, you're right. A plane the size of a of a aircraft carrier? Golly. Yeah, um, you know. And then and then Shield being evil said, "We're going to put guns on these." <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like Captain America knows that uh assassinating people from space for crimes they haven't committed yet is definitely evil, but he doesn't know what climate change is. He doesn't even know to complain about the carbon footprint. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. He'll he'll um, care about climate change once someone explains it to him, but he doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, he'll be like, "Longer summers, sign me up." <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, you are right. Like one really cool thing about this movie is the way Shields' Project Insight is described. It it is obviously a heightened sci-fi version of the U.S. military's drone strike program. And mm-hmm. when that is explained to Captain America, the, the, the living embodiment of America's attempted ideals, he says, fuck that, that sounds evil. <laughs> yeah, and, and he says, uh, Nick Fury says, like, we've always had to sacrifice things for freedom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Captain America says something like, like, no 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 he says like you've always had to sacrifice things and he says we were sacrificing things for freedom this is sacrificing for out of fear or something like that like that and it definitely like is i was thinking about it and i'm like obviously this everything in world war ii was really bad but it does actually point to something different about like world war ii was really different than the war on terror there was actually a risk towards democracies throughout the world and obviously the axis powers were doing a lot of very bad things and i'm not saying that terrorist groups aren't but the there it is was actually making more of a political statement because what nick fury says too is that they'll be able to use it to shoot terrorists all across the world he, like yeah, he says he, terrorists he does specifically. specifically say terrorists and he specifically says terrorists who we know are a threat but haven't necessarily done anything yet like he talks about yeah. it being preemptive um which yeah. is what the u.s military does uh, and you know, they, they never target people, works. They target people all the time who they just think were involved in something that they've already done or that they think are, you know, leaders uh, of things. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's it's like the allied countries also did bad things during World War Two, but there's no reason to think Steve Rogers did. And there's no reason mm-hmm. to think anyone he personally knows did <laughs> like, I mean, it's easy to what what Steve Steve's experience of World War II is very easy to justify as being necessary. Yeah, because uh, we know what he did in World War II, and it was sacrifice his life to save New York City from Red Skull. <laughs> exactly. So he feels really and good about that. <laughs> I, he should feel good about that. You know. Um, uh, like honestly, even e- even when when Nick Fury is like, I've read the SSR files. I know you guys had to make compromises, and Steve is like, Yeah, yeah, we made tough choices. I'm like, You didn't. I saw that movie. Everything you did was just clear cut, the right decision. <laughs> no, no, he he had to make some tough choices. Like he did perform for some times, and he would have rather be on the front lines <laughs> yeah. the whole time. And that that is a really big difference. Is so 
the Brubaker Epting comic, it came out around the same time as the Iron Man Extremis comic, and this is all right before Civil War in the comics. And like the Iron Man comics, this was sort of a soft reboot of Captain America. This was them kind of being like, here's a more grounded, serious Captain America that you could maybe imagine in a movie. Um, and part of what they did is whenever he talks about World War II in this comic, it is not the stylized, pulpy World War II we saw in Captain America, the first Avenger. It is a very gritty, it's like Captain America being like, no, the war was horrible. I saw the worst things I've ever seen in my life. I saw no. people die. I saw the French resistance. Like I saw the Germans massacre whole villages just because one French resistance member was from there. Like Bucky, every, when I was up there giving speeches, Bucky was around back garroting so, like German soldiers and stabbing them in the gut because that's what needed to be done. Uh, and it's very different than this. Yeah, and also it's insane because they had just started this reimagining, so all the costumes are still the Golden Age costumes. <laughs> so it's like regular Captain America talk, and like also it's, you know, this is not the case in the movies, but in the comics, Captain America's team in World War II was the Invaders, which included Namor, a fish man wearing scaly Speedos, mm -hmm. the original Human Torch, who was a robot who burst into flames whenever he touched air, and the Human yeah. Torch's sidekick, Toro, a teenage boy who also burst into flames when he touched air. <laughs> so it's all these scenes of Captain America being like, the war was so brutal. One time, me and Namor and the Human Torch and Toro tried to liberate a Russian village and I've never seen anything so horrible. <laughs> Man, what? Yeah. Man, it's I really... It's a weird mishmash of tones. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, I remember I, when I turned to my friend, the Naked Fish King, and I told him, I, I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> and then he said to our other friend, the 13-year-old robot boy who burst into flames, yeah. we need to do it for France. Yeah. <laughs> also, my, uh, my, my best friend and confidant was a small boy who saw me... <laughs> Yeah, they age him up. They age him up in this, and they say Bucky was 16, uh, and they're like, okay. they were always 16-year-olds in the war. Don't pretend there weren't. And I'm like, all right, he's definitely 12 in those old comics. <laughs> um, okay, I, I have to pee and, okay. and then, and then want to do act two. Yeah, sounds good. Sorry, that's just the consequence of me getting water. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Make a loud noise so you can see the waveform. <laughs> it's fine. I'll cut out the part where it's completely silent for two minutes. <laughs> You're right. I'm not that lazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but can I, you imagine I... if I left it in? How badass that would be. <laughs> yeah, how bad that would be. Uh. No. <laughs> No, I think that's a really baller move. I'm sorry, I'm going to pee. <laughs> <And then, laughs> silence for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the second most baller move because the most baller would be, oh, sorry, I got to go pee. Sound of the toilet being lifted up. <laughs> Sound of... <laughs> I, I Bring the mic time. with you. <laughs> yeah, first you hear me picking everything up. <laughs> yeah. Carrying your whole setup into the bathroom. <laughs> You um, hear your roommate going, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm ready. So act two is uh, 
pretty much instantly when Captain America starts asking about what's going on with Nick Fury and why was he assassinated in Captain America's living room, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Robert, Sir Robert Redford uh, declares <laughs> Cap uh, an enemy of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, and Cap, uh, Captain America, uh, escapes. And actually, it's funny that, uh, obviously the next Captain America movie is called Civil War, but this scene of Captain America mm-hmm. having a tense conversation with the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. that then escalates into Cap fighting his way out of S.H.I.E.L.D. is lifted directly from the comic Civil War. Yeah, I was really thinking about this, how in this movie is much more literally a civil war than the movie Civil War, because at the end, it's half of S.H.I.E.L.D. fighting the other half of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, and also the the really digging into, like, basically freedom versus the security state or whatever in this movie is more what the debate in the comic Civil War is supposed to be about, although the politics of that comic are very muddled. And also, it's a little bit more like the real Civil War, because the Confederates were kind of like Nazis. Yeah, and Hydra is also kind of like Nazis. Yeah, I mean, the only reason the Confederates weren't Nazis is because they predate them. Uh, if they'd known about Nazis, they would have been like, sign us up. The, the, yeah, so it's the Nazis were a little bit like the Confederates. Uh, yeah, I think, unfortunately, that's just literally true. I think there are speeches where Hitler's like, those guys had the right idea. <laughs> yeah, I can't, those, those two terrible racist uh, organizations have something, some things in common. Yeah, uh, yeah, so there, are, there really are a lot of moments from this movie uh, that are like, that are from, really from the comic Civil War. Uh, we've already passed some of them, uh, but two of them are in here. So I just want to say very quickly, because after watching Iron Man 3, I've been kind of looking out for whether these movies have, like, distinct action set pieces. Because Iron mm-hmm. Man 3 has, like, six really distinct, pretty entertaining ones. Um, and what I realized with this movie is that it does, but they tend to be a lot quicker. Uh, like, mm. they tend to be more like one really distinct scene or, like, a really distinct shot. Um, whereas in Iron Man 3, every one that I called out was at least a, like, two, three minute long scene. Because um, mm-hmm. in this one, like, the I would say the fat first set piece is them uh, attack, uh, raiding the boat and getting the hostages uh-huh. off and fighting Batroc. Um, and then the second one is, so that's that's kind of like the ones in Iron Man. Then the second one is Nick Fury in his supercar fighting off the fake police. Um, yeah. That's definitely the second one. Um, but then I would say the third one is when Nick Fury gets shot by the Winter Soldier, Captain America chases after him through the roof, uh, through the rooftops, but the, the sort of gimmick of the scene is Winter Soldier's running up on the roof, and Captain America's running through the buildings, just punching through the walls. (laughs) Yeah, and he, at one point he runs, he's running so fast that he just hits into a wall by mistake and dents the wall. It's... I lo- it's so good. It's awesome. <laughs> and that's the scene that ends with him throwing his shield and the Winter Soldier catching it. And they, the Winter Soldier has this cool music sting that happens whenever he does things. Uh, uh, it's very effective. Um, yeah, he, he catches it and throws it back at him super hard. Super and, hard. Showing you that disappears. he's as... Showing you that at least with his robot arm, he is as strong as Captain America, if not stronger. Uh, and, but, and then the fourth one, obviously, is the famous elevator fight scene. Uh, which is the way Captain America realizes that S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to try to arrest him is just, he's in the elevator uh, with uh, Rumlow, Brock Rumlow, I think his name is. Yeah, Brock Rumlow, (laughs) Uh, a tough S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. uh, And he's in the elevator with him. And then just at every floor, four 
guys come in bigger than the last four guys. And he notices that all of them are, like, sweating profusely. Yeah, they all look really tense. And they're, like, each one's sweatier and bigger. (laughs) Until he's surrounded by, like, eight sweaty muscle monsters. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then they have this fight scene in the elevator that's really cool. It's it's one of the best fight scenes in the movie. Um, but then the next one is, it's the next one's just really a shot, which is he escapes on a motorcycle and S.H.I.E.L.D. scrambles a jet, like a, one of their hover mm-hmm. jets, to try to stop yeah. him. And there's just this cool short sequence of him defeating a jet with his motorcycle. He rides the motorcycle up over it. He lands on it. He smashes his shield into all its little Quinjet things. Yeah. And it's it's definitely its own distinct little scene, but it's very short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, he, initially he doesn't trust Black Widow, but pretty quickly, uh, she, he, he hid, he hid the little data, uh, thumb drive that Nick Fury gave him. Nick Fury, Black Widow gave Nick Fury a thumb drive, then Nick Fury gave Captain America the thumb drive, then Captain America hid the thumb drive, then Black Widow found the thumb drive, then he confronts her, and then she gains his trust by giving him back the thumb drive. (laughs) It's funny, Marley, I tracked the set pieces like uh, you did, and I have the same list as you, except I connected the um, airplane to the same one as uh, the elevator, because it's it's unbroken, because he, he gets out of the elevator, and then he runs away from more people, and then while he's still running away, then he fights the helicopter. So I, yeah, I mean, I think you're him, but... right that... All that whole sequence is should just be called him escaping Shield headquarters. I just was struck by how distinct and different mm. the elevator fight was versus the jet fight. Whereas and, like, and, whereas like the first five set pieces in Iron Man have one gimmick per set piece until the big one at the end that isn't really just isn't really just one. Yeah, and and they're really they're very different scenes from like a screenwriting perspective or what like things have changed and yeah he's in a different um, but you are right from a regular just what's happening in the scene it's one big escape the shield headquarters i just realized that this this movie a hundred percent has the sorts of distinct cool set pieces iron man 3 has but it is handling them differently and they're they're neat it's cool to see that that is something that continued yeah, what happens in this act, which I realize I haven't, I didn't actually talk through what happens in this act. Uh, so he gets declared Ebony as enemy. He runs away. He teams up with Black Widow, uh, and they uh, follow the information on the thumb drive and discover the secret Shield base, which is actually a secret Hydra base run by Computer Man Arnim Zola, uh, the Hydra agent from uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. He's a computer now, uh, and he has mm-hmm. helped Hydra. Uh, take over S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, they've been secretly working within S.H.I.E.L.D. the entire time. That's the big reveal of this movie. Uh, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a HYDRA agent. Um, and so they team up with Sam Wilson uh, to kidnap one of the evil S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who's actually a HYDRA agent. And Sam's like, I can help. And they're like, how could you help? And he's like, uh, you might not know about this me. <laughs> that might not know this about me, but I've got some pretty cool wings. <laughs> Actually, what he says is, you might not know this about me, but I used to have some pretty cool wings. And they're like, where are they now? And he's like, they're on a military base. Can you get them for me? And they're like, yes, we can. And we will do that off camera. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. Uh, But 
with their new friend, the Falcon. Uh, they capture what? Falcon is in this movie. Falcon is in this movie. Uh, they capture the evil Hydra agent, uh, sit, uh, Sitwell. Uh, but before they can get any information from him, Winter Soldier shows up, kills Sitwell, and more importantly, is Bucky. Winter Soldier, what? his mask falls off. He's fucking Bucky. Captain America's childhood friend. Uh, and then they all get captured. Uh, the Winter Soldier escapes. The evil Hydra shield agents capture them. But then our heroes are rec- uh, uh, rescued by Maria Hill because Nick Fury is still alive. He did a spy double cross. He did a spy. He really did get shot. All of the injuries he had, he really had. He just barely lived <laughs> yeah he just had fake do- he had doctors say he died instead of lived yes uh so that's the second act is there any uh anything you want to uh, elaborate or should i just talk for 40 minutes about how much i fucking love arnim zola yeah if you, gonna... if you think i love batrock oh boy get ready yeah that was my favorite part of this movie when it came out was they go and he's, he's running on old timey seventies computer stuff. And it's so big that it's like a mile. The it's the way that he's digitized his entire brain is by having whatever a mile worth of computer seventies era computer technology. Yeah. It's um, amazing. It's so great. I mean, cause you know, uh, obviously in the comics, Arnim Zola has put his consciousness into a robot body that famously has a camera for a head and a face for a stomach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I would love to see that someday. What if pretended to give it to us, but not good enough. Uh, and, uh, but I did really like the camera, the camera and the, the computer face are just exactly Arnim Zola's camera head and, uh, computer face uh, body. Uh, I wish it was in a robot, I guess, but uh, I love it. Uh, uh, and I, the- I feel like the thing they do is at like it's different, but in a also very cool and ridiculous thing. The thing that they're saying he did, which is also they've never updated the technology. He's yeah. still running on these seventies computer is so cool. Well, yeah, like when she when they break into the room because they they're trying to find the place where the data on this thumb drive was written, like where this program came from. That's how mm-hmm. they like track it. Uh, and Black Widow gets down there and she's like, "Oh, this can't be the right place. All this technology is super old." And then there's just a big like USB adapter that somehow <laughs> plugs into the seventies computers. Yeah, and you find out too, like Pierce is upset, like. I had to, well, because they blow him up. That he's yeah. like, I was stalling the whole time, Captain. Yeah. And then a bomb come, explodes him up. And you see Pierce is, like, upset about it. He's like, I lost Zola from that. Because, yeah. like, clearly he was still really running things. He was a big asset. Yeah, Zola was a, a super genius. He was, it's it's impressive. He was not, obviously, back in World War II, Zola was not a, a amazing computer programmer. There barely were computers back then. He learned new mm-hmm. skills in his long career as a, a fake uh, shield agent. Uh, it's also, it's funny because, like, we talked about how in First Avenger, Zola seems so not ideological. He's so uh-huh. not into what Black what Red Skull is doing. Yeah. He turns on they they make the argument that he turns on Red Skull because he's not really that into Hydra. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, in real life, a bunch of Nazi scientists uh, joined the U.S. military and were just normal. They just mm-hmm. founded NASA. <laughs> Yeah. So um, it's it's funny that uh, Zola didn't just found NASA with his contemporary Von Braun and instead uh, recreated Hydra and took over S.H.I.E.L.D. 
Yeah, I guess he, like, after Red Skull was gone, absence makes the heart grow fonder. He decided, like, <laughs> oh, I guess he was, uh, he had some good ideas. Do you think maybe there yeah. was a scene where, like, uh, Howard Stark specifically doesn't let Zola drive his cool car? And Zola mm. is like, say Red Skull, let me drive the cool car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Marlon. <laughs> Um, Zola was so excited when he got to drive that car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, one thing I was, so we were talking about this being like the movie civil war too, or like mm-hmm. the comic civil war or like the real life civil war. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was thinking about like, if Iron Man was in this movie, I feel like he would, might be on shield side. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Used I, for a bit. I think if Iron Man was in this movie, he'd have been on Shield's side until they figured out that Hydra was behind it. Like it would have been like it would have been a movie where Iron Man's fighting Captain America for the first half. I mean, it's the, which is what Civil War is about. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. They convince him eventually, like because in Civil War it's the same thing; it's a conspiracy. Yeah, um, and there is a lot like you know we're we're doing the the surface version of it, but like there is a I think you can mostly argue that this is a spy movie there's a a good amount of twists and turns of who's who's doing what and why yeah it's cool i like this movie so good yeah this movie's great also we're not really talking about it uh but black widow's great this movie i i bet we're gonna find this is the best she ever is uh it's the best she's been yet and i think it's gonna stay that way she's so good in this movie are you saying marley that she was better in this movie than in black widow i i think i am saying that yeah well, I mean, maybe I, I, what I would say, it's hard to judge just because this movie is so much better than Black Widow. Yeah, um, sure. I just like think this, this this movie does such a good job of show of giving you some things to latch onto about like what is interesting and cool about Romanoff as the Black Widow, which is that she's like she's like really super serious and competent, but she's like making jokes. She's teasing mm-hmm. Captain America about how he should go on a date in the middle of their fight. Uh, but she's also like this movie, the way this movie does her like ability to lie and go undercover, they play it more as like, it makes her weird and it makes her Mm -hmm. a little bit of a jerk. (laughs) And she's just this sort of like strange off-putting person because she's never really being real and she doesn't even, can't even be like, Mm -hmm. there's this, there's this scene where. Uh, when they're both undercover and Captain America's basically being like, how do you live like this? And she's like, oh, it's actually great. You know, I no no commitments, no past. I can be like whoever I want to be. And he's like, well, who are you really? And she's like, who do you want me to be? And mm-hmm. he's like, my friend. And, she's, and she goes, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's great. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and you know, it's she's not in it that much, but she's not in the other movies she's been in that much up to this point, and she's so much better no, in this I, one. I agree with you. This is definitely the best one she's been in up till this point. And I'm sure I yeah. I don't think it's gonna get better. Um Yeah. For... And also cause uh Sharon they don't call her Sharon Carter in this movie, they just call her Sharon, but they do call her Agent Thirteen, which is her number in the comics. Uh but Sharon Carter is an undercover agent who was pretending to be Steve Rogers' neighbor and then turns out to be a shield agent keeping an eye on him, and she winds up being an ally in the she's a really big deal in the comics. She was his, she's the reason Peggy Carter exists. The idea was like, did you know I used to know your like aunt in the war? Uh is why we have Peggy Carter. Um and I always it always bummed me out a little bit that Sharon Carter's not in these movies more and that they never figured out anything good to do with her. But rereading the comics that these are based on, I realized the reason is they gave her part to Black Widow. Uh, because 
there are times when Sharon and Captain America are dating, but they're really not in the Captain America comics that this movie's based on. So she really is just a tough, competent S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who he knows. And that Black Widow does that in this movie. So you don't need Sharon. And then also Maria Hill's there. There's just, there's no room for Sharon Carter to be introduced and be important in this movie. Yeah, instead she's introduced and does a bit. Yeah. I mean, she's the after... She's, whatever, the fourth most important S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in the movie. Yeah, and they, they do need, you know, you need to see, there's a point in this movie when you need to see a normal S.H.I.E.L.D. agent basically react to the crazy things that are happening, and they use her yeah. to do that. And it, it's really cool, yeah, she's under, at the beginning, undercover, like, lives next to Steve just to, like, keep an eye on him or protect him. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, really a fun little spy twist thing. Because, yeah. like, she's introduced, and then she's, like... Yeah, it's fun. And he just and hits it, that in stride. And also it makes obvious sense that Nick Fury does not just let Steve Rogers just live in an apartment and not keep track of him. Yeah. Um. Uh, there is one when uh, uh, before they recruit him and he becomes the Falcon, uh, there is a scene where uh, Steve Rogers goes and sort of attends one of Sam's uh, like support group for veterans uh, at the VA. And they have a little conversation where basically uh, uh, Steve is like, yeah, I just didn't know what to do. So I just kept serving. I just re-signed up with S.H.I.E.L.D. and I'm just still doing missions. And Sam's like, yeah, but you could do whatever you want. Basically, he's like, you should like get a hobby. And uh, he doesn't. It's kind of sad that they suggest that Steve Rogers should maybe try to have like a life. And that never happens. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if he could ever get a life. And maybe one day... At the end of one of these movies, you go back in time and get to live that life he's been meaning to live this yeah. whole time. I think in this movie, what what it, what it actually means is that Steve Rogers has to find a hobby. And what that hobby becomes is uh, being a, sad about Bucky and trying to find Bucky and thinking about Bucky, telling people yeah. how much he believes in Bucky. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're like, hey, you know, you got to move on. And he's like, turns out. Uh, my best friend still alive, but he's got problems, so I'm going to try and fix this. Yeah, it turns uh, out I don't got to move on at all. <laughs> and then that's basically what he does up until the point when he dies. Pretty much, he, yeah. That Caring about Bucky definitely becomes his main thing. Well, uh, then when he finds out Bucky is okay, then he then he goes back in time and leaves. Yeah, you're right. That's... The first moment that Bucky is okay, he goes, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah, I retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're 100% right. Well done, everyone. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the best fight scenes in this movie is when uh, Winter Soldier shows up and kills uh, the Hydra agent that they've captured. Uh, and there's this big fight on the highway. Uh, it's great. Black, like, I also, like, this movie does such a better job than freaking Avengers does of using Black Widow not being super strong to show that the Winter Soldier is strong. And also that she has a healthy respect for him being more powerful than her. Like, every time she tries to kill him, she, like, jumps at him from the back, tries to use some kind of gadget or weapon, and as soon as it doesn't work, she runs away. (laughs) And it's such a better way of showing that she's realistic about not having superpowers without making her seem like a weak character. Because, you know, unlike Avengers, she's not sobbing. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she knows Winter you mean Soldier. If she, had, if she had treated, you're saying because in Avengers, uh, the Hulk attacks her and she's just sobbing and running away from him. <laughs> yeah, with no and, plan. Yeah, and in Winter Soldier, she like tries to kill Winter Soldier, and when it doesn't work, she just gets out of there because she knows she's gonna lose that fight. But it feels and, good. <laughs> and it's also the same. It's the same amount of risk for her as that Hulk situation. Yeah, like, it is. Hulk is also running at her. And trying to kill her, but the Winter Soldier was also running at her with a gun and trying to kill her. Yeah, she shouldn't be more afraid of the Hulk. Yeah, like obviously the Hulk is much stronger than Winter Soldier, but they're both strong enough to kill her. <laughs> yeah, and she's in situations where people are trying to shoot at her and kill her all the time. And all if the she time. ever got shot by a gun, she'd die, just the same as if the Hulk threw her into space. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. For me personally, if somebody was about to shoot me or if the Hulk was about to throw me into space, I would be just as scared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I um, uh, just everything about Black Widow in this movie is better. Uh, but then, so this is this, this second fight. This is the first time Captain America is fighting Winter Soldier, but Cap knows he's Bucky. This is when his mask mm-hmm. falls off. Uh, yeah. and you know, Bucky has his line where he's like, who the hell is Bucky? Cause he just doesn't have mm. any memories. Yeah. Who the hell is Bucky? Uh, good um, question. I, I w- <laughs> when that first came up, I was like, gonna try and count how many lines he has. But oh yeah. But then there's yeah. a scene where he has like five. So I stopped. <laughs> yeah. He does. So he gets to talk a little bit. <laughs> yeah. He has one. He has this, he has like, not, it's not a lot of lines, but yeah, enough yeah. that I was stopped. And then there's one flashback w- to like the forties where he gets to have a conversation with Steve as, as regular Bucky. Yeah. And Steve as little Steve. Yeah. Uh, little Steve looks better in this movie, but he's also in less scenes. So it's much probably easier to pull off. Yeah. And you saw, they did the trick where Bucky put his arm on his shoulder for a lot mm-hmm. of the scene to make it, to sell it that he's real. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, Oh, that's a smart trick to do. Yeah. Cause that would be complicated to do that. His arm is on his shoulder. I actually, because I, I downloaded TikTok so I could watch our TikToks for the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. I actually, on TikTok, found the TikTok from the guy who plays Little Steve in only this movie, not the first adventure. Whoa! It's a different guy? <laughs> it's a different guy. All his all his TikToks are like, it's, it's that like question and answer TikTok format. And all yeah, his TikToks the... are like, are you, do you play Little Steve? Yes. No, you don't. This other guy did. He's in the other movie. <laughs> yeah. He's just made that TikTok a bunch of times. Yeah. Doing the hand things, whatever. Yeah. The... Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Great. His, That's his whole, uh Yeah, his whole TikTok is based on that he plays little Steve in two scenes in Winter Soldier. <laughs> TikTok's algorithm is so good that they gave that to you. Yeah. You, you wanted it. I did want it. Thank you, TikTok algorithm. You're much better than the Arnim Zola algorithm that predicts every single person Hydra wants to kill. <laughs> yeah, I hate that algorithm. Uh, uh, Sitwell has a great line when they're like, they're like, how could you do this evil Hydra agent? This is so terrible. And Sitwell's like, no, it's going to be great. It'll kill everyone who is a threat or could ever be a threat. You know, like Bruce Banner, Stephen Strange, like anybody. And this is way before the Doctor Strange movie. So, you know, we all lost our minds. <laughs> I know, and it's so funny, too, because, like, when did the Doctor Strange movie come out? Um, like, two years later. Like, it just felt like, it was like, that'll come out one day, when it's like, they were, that movie was it really far into development. Oh, yeah, they, they, they put that line in there because they knew they were making a Doctor Strange movie. No, yeah, it was exciting, I just... 
now that time has passed, it's not... I feel like in my head there was a lot of time in between those. And two years is a lot, because... Yeah, you, you were know, 17. I was a, yeah, sophomore in college by the time uh, Dr. Totally. Strange came out. Yeah, you yes. were you were embarrassed oh, to tell your Sarah Lawrence friends how excited you were for a Marvel movie by the time that came out. Yeah, and then I... Um, and then Donald Trump became president the next month. <laughs> and then no one cared anymore. <laughs> yeah. God, was that the next month? <laughs> yeah, it came out October 20th, 2016. <laughs> oh, man. I have There are so many cultural moments that I do have tied to the election, and that is not one of them. I did not. There's just, yeah, just so many things from 2016. I'm like, yep, that's the last time I did that before Trump got elected. I uh, didn't, uh, didn't make the list, apparently. La- last MCU movie you saw in theaters before Trump got elected? Yeah, didn't I guess didn't, didn't make the cut. Uh, uh, a, a slightly disappointing Doctor Strange film? Or very <laughs> disappointing. We'll see. We'll see when we get to it. I bet I'm going to like it. <laughs> okay. That's my guess. I, I like it. it's the- not... It's not as good as your favorite, do- like, a Doctor Strange movie could be your favorite movie of all time. That's true. I mean, it is, by the time we get to Doctor Strange, by the time we get to rewatching Doctor Strange, we'll have seen uh, the new Spider-Man with Doctor Strange in it. So we'll see oh, how, yeah. that, how that changes things. Yeah, for sure. All right, you want to get to Act 3? Yeah, let's, let's do Act 3. So Act 3 is, uh, I mean, you know. The simple version of it is they shut, they just stop all the helicarriers. They shut it it's down. A, I, I would say technically act three is a big explosion. It happens <laughs> yeah. quite slowly. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the thing that actually surprised me about it is I forgot what, like after they've defeated Hydra and the helicarriers are all falling, Steve and Bucky are on it. And Steve's like, I'm not going to fight you. And Bucky's just beating the shit out of Steve. <laughs> and and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And Steve's like, then do it, Bucky. Because, and it's really sweet. Because he really does, he really loves Bucky. Yeah, no, it's really great. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll I'll talk through a few things that happen. And then I, I want to talk about that scene for sure. Which mm-hmm. is... Uh, so there's three helicarriers. They have to, like, shut them all down at the same time. There's some gobbledygook about that. But also, uh, Robert Redford has the the security council, the people that were just in shadow uh, in yeah. Avengers. They've all been cast by actor with actual actors this time. Turns out none of them are Hydra. They're all normal. Yeah, the, so... secu- the security council that voted to nuke New York, they weren't Hydra. They were normal S.H.I.E.L.D.s. <laughs> And also, um, they uh, were fine with the deaf planes as long as they were just going to be shooting terrorists. Yeah. So, you know what? I will say, I remembered this movie as taking a cop-out. Like, I remembered I remembered thinking that the reveal that Hydra was behind it absolved S.H.I.E.L.D. and, like, weakened the political commentary. But you're totally right. Watching it this time, like, the Security Council were normal, were the normal Security Council. Nick Fury obviously is not Hydra. Like a lot of regular Shield people were completely mm-hmm. on board with the Death Helicarriers. They were uh, just—they're yeah. just quibbling over the targets. And and before they get there too, um, uh, Steve is like, "No, we're going to destroy Hydra and Shield." And Nick Fury's like, "No, don't." And he's like, "No, we're gonna." And he's like, "I guess you're in charge now." Um, yeah. No, I mean you're right. Like this, they don't present it as we're going to save Shield. Uh, they present it as, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. turns out to have been bad, and we're going to rip the mm-hmm. whole thing down. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you think about it, Captain America was not in S.H.I.E.L.D. that long before he decided to destroy the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like, like that. He's like, ooh, this is bad. Shut it down. Shut uh, it down. And, you know, 
I hate to do this to you, Austin, but mm-hmm. I gotta. It's fully insane that they started a show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when they knew this was going to happen in the middle of that show's first season. Well, no, what do you mean? The that prem- was the point of the show. No, I know. I know that was the point of the show, that in the middle of the first season, you'd find uh, out that half of S.H.I.E.L.D. was HYDRA. And it uh, made and it was a cool reveal in that first season. I know, that's what I'm saying. They knew yeah. this was going to happen. What the heck did they think they were going to do in season two? It became such a problem for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. forever uh, that S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist anymore in the movies. And yes. they knew this. They planned for that. What was the plan? Um, Marley, I know what the plan was. Joss Whedon saw a way for his brother and his brother's <laughs> uh, wife to have a job for eight years. <laughs> You're right. By that uh, metric, it was an incredibly successful scam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Marley, if you're ever in this situation to make me be a showrunner, uh, go for it. It doesn't matter if it's a bad show. <laughs> for a network show, that'd be great. Whatever. I know, so much money. They made so much money. I'll make it money. work. I'll make they, it work. Or don't. Doesn't matter. They got seven seasons. It did work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, but S.H.I.E.L.D. is gone. I, it bums me out a little bit that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s not in the movies anymore, For partly because I think S.H.I.E.L.D. is cool, and partly because of the reasons you said. It, it limits the amount of uh, political commentary they can do because they're scared to criticize the real government. And it's also cool just because it, it, S.H.I.E.L.D., in a world with Iron Man the U.S. military would be like S.H.I.E.L.D. and they would have all of these robots and robot cars and giant robot carriers. So it's weird to just have that not exist. Because, yeah. like, for instance, Captain America, uh, Iron Man, could not defeat a S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier by himself easily. Like, yeah, right. That is something that if that attacked him, he would explode. Like, <laughs> You're and, right. And that creates a world where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, Iron Man isn't stronger, you know, so that yeah. that is... That creates a world where Iron Man can't just overthrow the government if he wants to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, and like... It also, it's like, like, it also, like, in a world where the, the U.S. military fully expects to have to try to kill the Hulk, they're mm-hmm. gonna need things like S.H.I.E.L.D. And, uh, yeah, w- the other really big political thing that happens in this movie is... Black Widow downloads all of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s secrets and puts them on the internet. Yes, that's where you get to the the WikiLeaks uh, thing. Is that right at the end here? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly that. And, and the, like, the people are being like, no, then that's going to bring down the whole thing and show that it was all corrupt. And I'm like, wow, they... That is, th- there's just so many parallels to it. I don't know if it was intentional, I guess, but... It I definitely... I mean, no, it, it, it definitely was. Uh, and also, Black Widow gets to do some actual cool spy stuff for the first time in any of these movies, where she full-on Mission Impossible uh, has a, a super science mask so she can pretend to be one of the Security Council members. Yeah, uh, he, and then she she takes the mask off, and it's Black Widow, and that's how she saves the day and does all the everything that she does. It's great. Yeah, and then and Nick Fury reveals that he can do the eye scan with his messed up eye. Yeah, yeah, they need Nick Fury. Like, when Nick Fury died, they removed his retinal scan, but they didn't know he had a secret retinal scan for his bad eye. <laughs> yeah. There's also a great line at the beginning of the movie where, like, I think Captain America's like, you just got to trust people. And Nick Fury's like, last time I trusted someone, I lost this eye. And I love imagining he's like, that damn cat. I'll never trust yeah. anyone again because of that stupid cat (laughs) the thing i was thinking about is i'm like it actually works better for him that he's lying yes that's just a lie he's he probably just constantly is lying about how he lost that eye 
No, it's it's hundred percent in character that he has a story he uses to help him win arguments. <laughs> that yeah. is not what really happened. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean they they Falcon is cool in this. I mean, so we were t- uh, one thing about Falcon that is sort of interesting is mm-hmm. you know when you meet him, he specifically says that he was a para rescue unit. So like what he was doing mm-hmm. was parachuting in behind enemy lines and saving people, which is what yeah. Steve Rogers did. So it yeah. gives you this instant connection between them. And mm-hmm. then what he does now is he works at the VA and he tries to help veterans uh, get their lives mm-hmm. back. And he's just presented as a very real world person just trying to do good things and help people and it is a little jarring when part of his falcon gear is like two machine guns (laughs) yeah like two uzis (laughs) he's got double uzis deploy from his backpack and he just starts gunning down hydra agents who are evil and they're you know super nazis and black widow's killing them also but just something about that visual of giving falcon two uzis I think they shouldn't have given them the Uzis. I think he there was he didn't need them. He should have just been flying around hitting people and, with and, his... and pushing people off the helicarrier. Yeah, which would kill them just as much. But I wouldn't have I thought mean, about there's it. There's a reason why he never has Uzis in a movie again, does he? Yeah, no, because no. It's weird. Yeah, they, I mean, he, basically they give him the drone, the little Red Wing drone instead. Which I like way better. <laughs> just kidding. It bums me out just as much. <laughs> I know they fight this whole movie is about ending the drone the drone program and then in the next movie Falcon's got a little drone on his back. Um uh so so like you said they completely defeat Hydra all the helicarriers are going down and that is when on a crashing helicarrier Steve finally really gets to confront Bucky and be like I know you're there I know you're you're still in there I, I want come back to me Bucky and, and Bucky's like uh-uh yeah Bucky's like I don't know who you are man punches him in the face a hundred times with his metal arm <laughs> yeah uh and I just want to talk about it because you know I, I think I want to do this wrap up when we do Age of Ultron but I want to start thinking about it now because you know we talked about how the sort of theme of phase one solidified into the idea that it's what makes you a hero is being willing to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Uh, Mm. And I don't think that stays the theme of these movies. Um, Mm. And this one is the closest because Captain America, Steve Rogers is certainly willing to die. Like he says, blow up the helicarrier, even though I'm still on it. Uh, But he does that because he doesn't want to leave Bucky behind and he doesn't want to give up on Bucky. And that scene you talked about when, uh, but he's like, I'm not going to fight you. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, then do it. It doesn't feel like Steve Rogers is sacrificing himself on, like, doesn't feel like the first movie where he's choosing to die because he thinks it'll help. I think it feels like he's saying, just kill me then one, because he doesn't think Bucky will do it. Yeah. And he thinks that he can get through to him, which turns out to be correct. Mm -hmm. But I also think, I my reading of that scene is if he can't get through to Bucky, if Bucky is capable of killing him, Steve doesn't want to be alive. Yeah, I, and, I think that's, and it's not because that death will st- serve any purpose. It's that he can't do it. He can't be alive if his friend is really gone. I, I think that's two things. Yeah, and then the other thing, which is like a very Captain America thing, is that he has so much belief in him as a person that he can't. He did true. That's how confident he is that he will not kill him. He can kill him. Like he's actually not protecting himself. He yeah. will let Bucky kill him if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, he, he drops he his shield into the river. Like he completely yeah. disarms himself. Which is uh, cool too, because it's like a good symbol of like he cares more about Bucky than being Captain America. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, which is great. And I mean, that, that does set up like the, you know, one thing that I do think works really well in, in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that line Bucky has where it's really important to like Steve Rogers entrusted the shield to Sam Wilson and it's important to Bucky that Steve be right that Sam is a hero because the only thing keeping Bucky going is that Steve thought he could be a hero. And he needs, mm-hmm. St- basically, he needs Steve's judge of character to prove to be always correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's all Bucky has. <laughs> yeah, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and I think um, this that, that comes out of this movie uh, really well. And then, yeah, I mean, Bucky doesn't, like, punch him in the face and crack his skull in half like he clearly could. But he, he, he does fall into the water and almost drown. And then at the last second, Bucky saves him. Yeah, Bucky saves him. Bucky pulls love- him out of the water, leaves him there, and then runs away he runs away and goes i'm I'm too freaked out yeah (laughs) i gotta work this out uh and we had learned that what that like in addition to like whatever amnesia bucky had from his original accident they were also specifically wiping his mind like every time they would thaw him out as he assassinated every fake historical figure they they very deliberately don't be like he's the one that assassinated jfk like they make up people uh, Mm. for him to have assassinated yeah 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 probably just as well the Eternals question of like, why didn't Bucky assassinate this person? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. Wouldn't Bucky have assassinated Roosevelt? What's going <laughs> yeah. on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so they, they don't do that. Oh, uh, they do in this they do in this movie say that someone assassinated Howard Stark. I don't think they in this movie explicitly say Winter Soldier did it, but they say that Hydra mm. did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they do they do set up the reveal when you find out that Bucky did it because they tell you in this movie that Hydra did it yeah um, I'm really excited about talking about this after credit scene Mark. okay 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 we're almost there uh, so uh, I just want to say at the very end Black Widow does an Iron Man style congressional hearing uh, oh, yeah. where they're questioning her about uh, releasing all of they basically present it as you've released all of America's state secrets at the last second yeah. they do start equating S.H.I.E.L.D. with America uh, even mm-hmm. though the Security Council are, were people from all different countries. Uh, and basically, they're like, shouldn't we throw you in jail? And she's like, yeah, but you won't because you're going to need me if aliens show up again. And they're like, yeah, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, she's right. <laughs> yeah, well, what about an Ultron? How will you fight an Ultron? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have special uh, spider venom uh, blasts. <laughs> yeah, I know. So unlike every single actual uh, leaker and whistleblower, Black Widow does not either go into jail or, I mean, she does kind of go into exile, but she just does that on her own. She doesn't flee mm-hmm. the government. The government lets her walk. Yeah, she's like, I don't know what's going on. I live in Russia now, unrelated. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it would have been easier for her to defect back to Russia. I wonder, like, because, God, with the timeline now, they always say she was KGB, but, like, she's not really old enough to have been. K- no, she, yeah. she, she had to have been working for, like, Putin's government for at least a year. <laughs> well, yeah, she's your age, right? Yeah. So, so the Cold War ended when she was, like, six. <laughs> which is, but she, that's when she used, she... No, she I know that's when they called her them, back, yeah. but I'm saying that when she was like yeah. doing missions and Hawkeye was sent to kill her and instead recruited her, that was she was not doing Soviet missions. Yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she couldn't yeah, have been. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, I, the only thing I want to say about this ending is uh, Nick Fury uh, stays uh, presumed dead. He heads off to have his own adventures uh, and Black Widow heads off to have her own adventures. And she specifically says, all my covers are blown. All my secrets are out there. I need to find out like what that means for me. Anyway, I'm going to go be in my own movie. Had to have been the plan, right? Mm-hmm. They had to have been trying to set up a Black Widow movie they never made. Because it's such a good idea for a movie for a super spy to have all their secrets are out there now. Which would mean everyone oh. she's ever wronged knows who she is and where she is. Instead of nothing ever happening with that ever? Ever. <laughs> yeah. It's just, they, they just talk about the fact that she's given up all of her secrets so much. They had to have been planning to do something with that. Yeah, why didn't they have the movie with her be set in between Winter Soldier and Age of Ultron? Why not? I, yeah, when I when I heard that her movie was going to be a prequel and set in between movies, I just assumed that's what they were going to do. Because I was like, oh yeah, because they should have always done that. And that's long enough ago, I would have just been confused. I would have been like, <laughs> I think sure, that's yeah. why they, I mean, that's why they didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, would have been better. Uh, and then the movie definitely ends with basically Steve being like, I'm going to do the only thing that I'm ever going to do from now until my retirement, which is look for Bucky. Yeah, find Bucky and, and tell him you're a good guy. I'm going to find Bucky. Gu- I'm going to kiss Bucky. We'll never find out. <laughs> I'm I'm going to try and kiss him. Don't know if he'll let me. <laughs> yeah, we'll I did. Uh, when Sam uh, and Steve meet in the beginning, they do... You know, they, they're jogging and Steve's faster than him and they joke about it and they talk about pop culture. They talk about being army vets. And then at the end, Steve is like, uh, Sam is like, hey, if you ever want to come by the VA and say hi, make me look good uh, for mm. the girl. Make me look good to the girl at reception, which like it really felt like either consciously or subconsciously. They had to throw in a line where Sam specifically referenced being straight because it mm. otherwise seemed so much like these two guys just met and now are going to go on a date. Yeah. Uh, and in a way that was not, like, it's a meet cute. Like, it's a great scene, yeah. but it's the scene of these two strangers meeting, having an instant rapport, joking around, making plans to see each other later. Like, they, they basically did have to tell you Sam was straight in that scene. And it's, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just... going to say. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, we, we also, t- I wanted to mention, as we're talking about different random things earlier in the movie. Um, he says right before they do the third act stuff. Uh, Captain America says the price of freedom is high. It always has been, but it's a price I'm willing to pay. Um, and that's one of the only, like, in all of these movies where he said, like, that kind of, like, patriotic or whatever, like, saying. And then Falcon makes fun of him afterwards. And it's like, did you did you pre-write that or whatever? Um, yeah. And it just it just stuck out to me and also stuck out to me because I think that that works and is uh a good line and uh even though it is so you know like uh written um and i don't know if they needed to make fun of it afterwards or not but it's gonna tie into when i get to talk about the after credits scene okay Um, uh i i agree that falcon didn't need to make fun of it i don't like i don't like it i just think with these movies you should do the cheesy thing or don't do the cheesy thing don't do it and then make fun of it mm -hmm. that's what i think yeah just go for it. They're cheesy. His name is Captain America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So yes, end credits. Do it. Tell us what. Tell okay. us about the end credits and what you're thinking about the end credits. So I'm skipping the Bucky one. I don't care. Going yeah. straight. I mean, to you're the... doing it in. You're actually doing it in order because you want to talk about the mid credits sequence and then Bucky is actually after the credits. I'm talking about the mid credits sequence now, Marley. <laughs> 
<laughs> Go for so it. So the mid credit sequence, you find out there's still some Hydra people left, and they're like, okay, we got these two new crazy people, and it's Quicksilver, and it's Scarlet Witch, and the guy uh, says to his friend, they're, who they're just walking around their Hydra facility, this is no longer the Age of Spies. It's not even the Age of Heroes. No, this is the Age of Miracles, Doctor. And there is nothing more terrifying than a miracle. And it made me think, oh, so I guess Joss, w- Joss Whedon wrote this scene. Um, <laughs> he because definitely did. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, like um, if you yeah, if you're going to make fun of a scene, it should have been he says there's nothing more terrifying than a miracle and then there's a beat and then his friend is like, "Huh?" Yeah. What you're what? saying it's a what do you do you know what the word miracle means? He's like, "Yeah, are you, are you thinking of the word catastrophe?" Yeah. <laughs> do do you mean tragedy? Do you mean a, a horrible tragedy? <laughs> what do you mean age of miracles also? do do you mean more than these two people with superpowers you found because they seem a lot like that god guy who came and attacked new york city i don't fully what what do you mean yeah are you saying that you're moving hydra into its next phase and he's like no hydra we're not spies anymore we're in the age of miracles Uh, yeah, also, it's also funny because the actual movie that's teeing up is called Age of Ultron, so I really wish he had said, we're not the Age of Spies anymore, not even the heroes, no, we're entering an age of Ultron. (laughs) 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 And the other guy can just be like, oh, I see, you're having a stroke, I understand, we have equipment for that, we're a medical facility. (laughs) Oh, oh, we're Ultron now, I guess. (laughs) Uh, yeah, pretty striking... You really it's, notice when Joss Whedon's back. <laughs> it's so funny, too, because you see Scarlet Witch. She's, like, playing around with some rocks. And Quicksilver's just running around fast, freaking out in his cell. Just, like, yeah. running into a wall over and over like a mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, yeah, Scarlet Witch is definitely, like, I'm being creepy with blocks on purpose, and I like it. And Quicksilver's, like, just fully freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's like we've what? got this we've got this creepy girl with telekinetic powers and a, and a scary face and we got this guy who's really unhappy about what we've done to him <laughs> he's not doing good and they're <laughs> yeah uh yeah yeah for sure uh i mean i was definitely very excited uh to see to, to see them in this uh i was also i'm pretty sure that guy with the the hydra guy with the monocle is probably uh supposed to be baron von strucker and i was mm-hmm. so excited for the baron von strucker movie we were gonna get mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i think i think he gets one more scene we'll see if we'll see if he has a better line the next one time we see him before hulk rips his head off or whatever happens <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> before hulk straight up eats him or whatever <laughs> Yeah, Joss Whedon writes his other his next line, and I'll say it: Age of Ultron is probably the worst written movie Joss Whedon has ever written. Uh, yeah, that's probably going to be true. <laughs> uh, I want to leave something uh, to be discovered. Uh, so yeah, well, uh, that's that movie. Let's not worry about that or how many Iron Mans we give it. Instead, let's worry about this movie and how many Iron Mans we give this. Yeah, how many Iron Mans? Um. 
I'm going to say, so what I do, uh, humble listener, is I say how many uh, Iron Man's the movie I give this movie. So comparing it to Iron Man, so Iron Man is one Iron Man. I give this movie 1.4 Iron Man's. Ooh. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't know. So that's, I'd have to check the thing. That's, that's, uh... That's like what you around where you what you gave Avengers and Iron Man three. I think I think that's in the yeah. range. Yeah, makes, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, what I do, uh, humble our uncles, uh, mm-hmm. is uh, I count that how many so how many Iron Man suits uh, are in the movie, and then I say that number. And uh, I'm gonna start to be more aggressive about this, I think, because uh, otherwise I'm gonna drive myself crazy. I'm gonna give this movie zero Iron Mans. <laughs> what? There's but no what, Iron Man in this what movie. About, what about the repulsor technology in the in the things? Uh, yeah. That's not even part of an Iron Man. No, you're right. It is, and they see Howard Stark's picture, and Bucky's I, I, got a metal. Bucky's got a metal arm, and and All the right. robot. He has a robot car that basically has Jarvis in it. Oh, you're right. Well, but we're not saying how many Jarvises are in the movie. Uh, no, no, no. But Marley and the car can fly. You don't see it fly in it. You is don't. That not you, a big Iron Man suit. Uh, you know, it made me mad because Nick Fury in the comics always had a flying car. Uh, mm-hmm. So in this movie, Nick Fury's like, flight mode engage. And the car's like, flight mode broken. I'm like, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> fly, make the car fly. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, okay, fine. You know what? You've talked me into it. Uh, Howard Stark, repulsor technology, a man with a metal arm, a, a sassy computer. I'll give this movie altogether one Iron Man. Whoa! Great. We love to hear it. We love to hear it. I would have given it zero if it were me. <laughs> you tricked me. You tricked me. Oh, man. What's our, is, what's our next episode, Marley? Uh, well, our next episode, uh, I mean, the next Marvel movie is going to be little little crazy little out there it's gonna be guardians of the galaxy oh um, snap but uh we'll see we might depending on how our trip home goes where we're both in the same house together with our dad uh i might try to convince you to do a special bonus episode but we'll see if i'm successful so if the next time you hear us we're talking about guardians of the galaxy uh i failed <laughs> Uh, find out to see if Marley succeeded, uh, right back here on Hero Rewatch! (laughs) Hero Rewatch, we did it! Goodbye! Bye! Here comes that newsman I love. Boop, 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 boop. It's me, the newsman. I'm back. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. Please give us a follow and rating on the television if you liked it. I'm a newsman. Our intro and outro music are by Josh Pan. Art is by Will Patrick. Austin Alpern Grazer edits the podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Hero Rewatch. Marley is Marley HG on Twitter, and I'm Austin HG. For some more Hero Rewatch stuff, look up Austin Halpern Grazer on Instagram and TikTok. Boop, 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 boop. And that's all the news. Boop, 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 boop. Good night, New York.